0: So, all right. So, Happy Father's Day, man! Happy Father's Day. Yeah, give it up for all of our fathers. God bless you, dads. Thanks for all you, all you do, fathers, future fathers, soon-to-be fathers, spiritual fathers, uh, head of households. God bless you. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But first, I want to read out of First Kings, the third chapter, nine verse, Message Bible. Uh, Eugene Peterson's translation, here's what I want, give me a God-listening heart so I can lead your people well, discerning the difference between good and evil for who on their own is capable of leading your glorious people. I, I, I think this is a great prayer for dads and heads of households, single households. I think we can say, God, give me, give me a God-listening heart. Let me, let me be able to lead my family. Let me be able to, in my case, let me be able to lead this church. Let, let our church be leaders in the community. Let us be able to walk through things together. Uh, There's tumultuous times in America and around the globe today. I think people are looking at the church, right? I think people are looking at Christ's followers to be leaders. Uh, This is not a time where we should be throwing the Bible at people and beating them over the head with it. We should be giving them life, right? Just like Jesus did in life more abundantly. And so this is a prayer that I want to pray. Here's what I want. God, give me a listening heart that knows that we can lead people, we can share with people, we can we can believe in people and we can we can walk through this thing together. So we're gonna talk a little bit today, of course about fathers and I'm gonna mention a father in the Bible that I think we can learn some lessons on. But while I was praying this week I was really hung up on the word faith. And so I start going through some of the faith scriptures. You know, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.6, but without faith is impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And Paul writes in quoting the Old Testament, the just will live by faith out of Deuteronomy. And we learn these things. And Paul says, if you show me, or maybe James says, if you show me your faith, I'll show you my works. It's faith without works, is dead, and and so there's all these faith scriptures, and Janie and I are real faith walkers. We we like to walk in faith. They give you an idea. We had the board over our house on a Friday night. Uh, Most of the board members, a couple of them couldn't make it, and so we have... um, uh, we, we had a, a gentleman in the church make a, a long picnic table for us. And it's not just a picnic table. It's it's like a piece of outdoor furniture, and it's really heavy, and it's solid, and, and we've moved it around a couple times. And and let me tell you, it's really heavy, and it's solid. And then we had another friend in the church build us a pergolo to go over it, and both just beautiful pieces of, of furniture, outdoor, we want to extend the outdoor living. And so uh, we're going to have the board over, and she had the table just, set beautiful, just flowers from the bushes and place setting, and these clouds started to erupt, and so she covered everything and made sure it was dry, and I kept checking my phone, and it was like rain, That we were having them over at 7 o'clock, rain at 5 o'clock, rain at 6 o'clock, rain at 7 o'clock, rain at 8 o'clock, and I would tell Janie, it's like 40% chance of rain at 6 o'clock, honey, but after we get through there, maybe we'll be all right, and she said, well, you know what that means, don't you? Well, yeah, forty percent chance of rain. She said, "No, sixty percent chance it's not going to rain." And, and I, and I, and I'm, I'm, I am i do not believe that way. I like, the, no, that's forty percent chance of there's going to rain. And she said, "No." She, so we covered everything because there was an afternoon shower. Then we uncovered everything, folded everything back up, got everything ready to go. And then I looked at my watch, and there was this black storm cloud just coming our way. It was, and it was dark. She took a picture of it. It was so black and dark, and it was like. I get ready to start the grill. we got some steaks we're going to fire up. And uh, man, that cloud. Do I get an umbrella? Because I'm going to be, it's going to be raining on me. I'm going to have to cook out. Uh, we're going to have to move this thing inside. Do you want to move it to the garage? We can spread tables out there. Can't move this enormous picnic table in the garage because there's just not enough of us. It's enormous. And so where it is, it kind of stays. And But we have the dining room, but then we're going to be a little bit more tighter. And some of our, some of our people have been really respecting the social distancing. And so uh, I said, honey, it, look at that. that. I mean, that thing is black. She said, I prayed, it ain't going to rain. And that was it. So I'm mumbling to myself, you know, keep on praying. Because that thing, I'm telling you, that cloud is black. And I've seen a thunder shower before. When I, and you know, that thing just completely avoided us? It's just, it was just amazing. It was like, and so listen, and I understand, and faith. It's all about faith, and, and and I wanna I want you to understand that because Elijah prayed, and the James, the book of James says that he's no different or better than us. That he prayed and it didn't mm-hmm. rain for three and a half years, and then he prayed again and he saw the cloud the size of a man's hand, and he said, "Go tell the king, get ready, because it's gonna it's gonna rain." And so there there's faith in in bed of each one of us, embedded in each one of us. There's there's a spirit of faith, there's a measure of faith, and the more you activate that faith, the stronger you can be, okay? It's like these young baseball team, and they they work out, or they run or whatever, and the more they take batting practice, and the more they pitch, and the more they do what they're supposed to do, the stronger they get, the more experience they get. The more you exercise your faith, the stronger you will get in faith, It's not foolish faith. It's not silly faith. It's not just name it and claim it or blab it and grab it. It's simply exercising your faith. Well, as I was praying through the message this week and thinking about that, God just stopped me cold in my tracks. And something that we all should know and maybe do know, but we don't practice that the same faith that we have in God, hear me, God has faith in you. Now, think about that for a second. God has faith in us. Five simple words that maybe you need to start saying every morning. Hey, God has faith in me. God has faith. God has showed throughout all humanity that God has faith in us. So fathers, God has faith in you. Mothers, God has faith in you. Children, God has faith in you. Grandchildren, God has faith in you. Not only that, but as leaders in this community, in this church, as parents, we need to have faith in our children, our grandchildren. We need to have faith in one another. God has faith in us. And so I started going through the scriptures. God had faith in Adam and Eve. He put Adam and Eve on this earth first. And yes, they sinned but God still had faith in them. God had faith in Noah. Noah what, what does Noah, what's the first thing Noah does after he gets off the ark? He gets drunk. Now I'm not telling you go out and get drunk. Pastor, I get drunk. God has faith in me. I'm not saying that at all. Please don't mis- misunderstand me, okay? But God had faith in, God had faith in Abraham. Abraham on two occasions, specifically with his wife, lied. But God had faith in him. God had faith in Isaac and Jacob and Jacob was a cheater. God has faith, God had faith in David. and you know David's troubles are historical. He had an affair, he murdered, he ate the showbread. His family was a wreck. and yet in Acts the 13 chapter, the 25th verse, God says, now that's a man after my own heart. Maybe, just maybe we need to start speaking faith into people more often. Maybe we just need to start looking at the good side of people and start building them up rather than tearing them down. Maybe we just need to, as fathers and leaders, spiritual leaders in this house today, maybe we need to start looking at people and stop demeaning what they do and who they are and start picking them up and saying, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So That's the spiritual act of spiritually mature people. When we're spiritually mature, this is something that Janie and I have practiced our whole married life with our kids, trying to speak into them, and she would always grab them, and you know she would always, she would always start to speak into them, and it was a motherly figure, but she does that with women that she meets with or, or couples that we meet with, and she'll start to speak scriptures, and that's really, the scriptures are really God showing his faith in us, that we can do the things that he's called us to do. When he starts to speak into our life, it's not really, but some, there may be some here or maybe some listening online that you don't even know that God loves you so much that he has faith in you. Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the amount of faith that God has in you. Uh, he puts you on here, and Jeremiah says there's a, there's a plan and there's a purpose, and his plan's not to, to, to be evil or, or fearful, but to be good and fruitful and, and be dynamic. You have, you, you have been given a measure of faith, not only that measure, but God has given that measure because he loves you and he has a faithfulness for you. God has faith in who he created or he would not have created you. And so looking at all those people, I'm studying the scriptures and I'm thinking there is one person that maybe was possibly most overlooked by the Christian church of anybody that's in the scriptures, someone that we hardly ever talk about, who's not mentioned a whole lot in scriptures, but we understand that God had faith in him to do what he was called to do, and that's Mary's husband, Joseph. You talk about Happy Father's Day. This is a man who didn't realize what he was getting himself into when his wife, his engaged wife, said, hey, I'm pregnant, and it's God's. Now, privately, he wanted to put her away, and an angel of the Lord came to him. And said, wait a second, no, this is of God. And so we, we talk about today just a few of the traits that, that Joseph had that we don't really look at today. We're like, man, it's Joseph, yeah, let's read on. Let's get to the good stuff. Let's get to the Paul. Let's get to the Silas. Let's get to the Timothy. Let's get to John. Let's break down Revelation. No, can we back up a second? Can we just look at Joseph for a minute? And maybe this is how we need to lead our households? Maybe just for a moment, we need not look at the big and grandiose. We need to look at just what normal is. And because Joseph was so far from normal that God had so much faith in him that it was going to be a power-packed person for God. And this is what God has created today, even in our environment in the 21st century. God has power-packed people out there that if they would just pay attention, God has faith in me. Now, God, what do you want me to do with it? And the first thing that Joseph was, he was a righteous man. And he was a righteous man. And Scripture tells us, and I won't read them today for, for just for fluid sake, but in Matthew 1, 18 through 25, it talks about how J- Joseph was a man who, who God could call on, a man who God could depend on, a man who found himself with Mary, and the angel Gabriel came and talked to, to Mary, and then Joseph is caught by the side. But God sends an angel. This is how much God thought of that righteous man. Now, listen, our righteousness is found in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's, the, that's our righteousness. The Bible says our, filthy, our good works are as filthy rags. So our righteousness is found in God through Christ. But God looked down. He saw Joseph. I'm going to send an angel. We're going to have a visit with him. Wait a second. That person that Mary is pregnant with, that was by the power of the Holy Spirit. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, then you're going to have a son, and his name is going to be Emmanuel, God with us. Now, here's how the Holy Spirit works. The Lord gave me a a good word picture, and and some of you run, and some of you don't. I'm not a runner, but I run. Some of you, like, go out and just run. they are like, you're runners. You guys are runners. I'm not, like, I'm not, like, if you found me in a donut shop, I wouldn't be a police officer, okay? That's a joke. All right, forget it. So... I was running yesterday, and I'm praying about my message because that's a good time to, to pray. I'm either praying or crying when I'm running because I hate to run. And there's a lot of hills by our house. At least they're hills for me. They're not hills for some of these runners. Jason's a runner. Joel's a runner. Drew's a runner. So these guys go out and run eight or nine miles and say, oh, that was just a good run. That's torture. That's not a good run. And so I'm praying, and the Lord shows me. So the first the runners. I could be wrong, but to me, running is in three stages. The first stage of running is just you're pushing through. It's like, I don't want to be doing this. There's a hundred things better I could do. But I'm gonna push through. That's kind of the salvation stage. It's like someone invited you to church. Someone made you come to church. Someone someone brought you to church. You were raised in church, and that's the push through. That's like the push through. Like I don't know what I'm doing here, and all of a sudden it kind of connects. Wait a second. If I if I the more I run. The bet, the easier it gets, the more the more it gets, and then there's kind of a, a push through, and then they in, in athletics a lot of times they'll call it a second wind. Do y'all get second winds when you run? Jason says I don't even use up my first win. <laughs> so, and so you get a, you get a second wind. Not really. You, I don't, I'm not going to talk to you, Drew. Do you get it? Nobody. These guys don't get I get a second wind, okay? And that second wind is truly like that born again experience. It's like, whew, you you, you crested that little hill, and all of a sudden you're going down, and it's almost like, wow, I got a second wind. I can I can do this next mile or next hundred yards or whatever. Well, that's that's first part is pushing through. The second part is actually salvation. But then there is, and I don't know what they call it. I'm not sure the scientific terminology is, but if you're running, sometimes you get in that that runner's mode where it's almost like an out-of-body experience. Like, you're just, do you guys get that? Do you you get that? So, you're going to agree with me on that one. All right, good. Jason, do you get that? Good. Okay. Thumbs up from Jason. True. All right, good. So, all right. So, good. Well, when you get, boy, do you get that when you run, that out-of-body experience? Okay, so. (laughs) So. So... So when you get to that point, hear me, this is important. When you get to that out-of-body experience, and I'm trying to be be weird or anything, you get where like your body is going through the motions because you have patterned, that's almost then like the Holy Spirit coming in spiritually. So you push through, you get saved, in salvation you start to work through it, and you you have this gift of the Holy Spirit that can come upon you, and it's truly an out-of-body experience where it's nothing weird that happens, but it's God. God saying, hey, do this, do this, do this. This is what happened to Joseph. He has this holy, the Holy Spirit comes to him, and he starts to say, this is of God, this is of me, your 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 wife is fine, nothing's gonna happen, and they move in parts all the way through. So he becomes a righteous man, and you understand, now he's overlooked and undervalued. And throughout all of scripture, we see where God uses overlooked and undervalued people. David's family was having a party at his house with Samuel and seven brothers showed up and David's still out in the field and they're going to anoint somebody, the new king. So Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah come walking through and God says, you know, they look good, but you're looking at the outside, I look at the inside. I have faith in somebody. I have faith in that person. And that person was David and he was out in the field. And all of a sudden they said, do you have anybody else? Well, we have David, he's a teenager, and then it's just like, he's, you know, like he's tending to the sheep, we'll, we'll go get him. And I don't know if you watch our worship team, but if you ever watch Foltz drum with the intensity that he is, I kind of think he's like a David. Like he's just, he's almost got a growl on his face. And then he'll sneak in some kind of heavy metal beat real quick. It's like, where did that come from? So, like, David was totally misunderstood, right? But David was a righteous man like Joseph. And there was probably an intentness in his face. And fathers, spiritual leaders, heads of households, I want to tell you, you need to lead your family with intentions, you, if you just go by the flow and let things happen, you got to be careful. There's an evil enemy out there that wants your sons and daughters. They, they want part of your household. So he was a righteous man with godly character. and he, he did things right. The second of all thing he was, he was a reliable man. And by the way, young people, and these, you need to be reliable. Now, I'm not, I'm, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching with you because old people need to be the same. We need to be reliable. We need to be people of our word. Amen? Amen. When we say something, we need to do something. I'm preaching to the baseball team here just for a second because they're a bunch of young men. I appreciate you guys coming to church. Thank you so much for for being part of Marvin's team. Yeah, can we give them Valley Stars? Great team, great people, great coach, and and great family. So... I read. I still read the newspaper back home, and uh, Janie and I have some really good friends in the Midwest, and one of the the people in the Midwest sang with Janie for years at her father's church. Just, I mean, she was like, I don't know how long you guys sang together forever, it seemed like. And then God called us out into different ministry and, and uh, then led them into another ministry. And, and uh, Jimmy and Dee Dee are their names. And Jimmy was a fire uh, firefighter, captain, and he's since retired and he teaches some courses at the local university up in Omaha. And, and so they have four they are four boys and a girl, and three of their boys, I know, played college baseball. Well, the, their third and their fourth son, their youngest son, out of high school, they played for a really good high school, one of the, the key high schools in the city of Omaha, uh, Papillion, which is a suburb. And, and out of high school, he didn't have one college scholarship offer, not one. And I would imagine he was probably a little bit depressed. So he, he went to a junior college in Hastings, Nebraska. I've been to Hastings Nebraska. There's more cows in Hastings than there is people. And I mean that I mean I mean that. They're like they raise cattle out in Hastings and that's what they do. And so he's going from Omaha metropolitan area of a million to Hastings to play one you know baseball because he wants to keep the, he wants to keep the dream alive. You know it's important to keep your dream alive. It's important not to abort the dream. Listen, sometimes Coach gets mad. Coach, Pastor, you got them all believing they're going to make the majors. You are, every single one of you that wants to. So Jimmy and Dee Dee's son went to the junior college, and then the University of Nebraska had one scholarship left over after his freshman year in junior college, and they gave it to him. So his sophomore year at Nebraska, which was two years ago, the last full season played, he led Nebraska in home runs, batting average, uh, doubles, triples, and stolen bases. Like he led Nebraska in everything. He was just off the charts. There's just some something connected. Something something clicked. Well, on Thursday, he just signed a contract with the New York Yankees. Now, now think about that for a second. I want I want to say. Part of it is, I believe, his mother and father are very strong, reliable men and women of God. That they I mean, they love God, okay? They work in the local church. They do things. They raise their family up to love and fear God. But I know, I know this because I know his dad real well. There is no quit in these guys. And, there, and even though it seemed like he didn't maybe get what he wanted, now he's with one of arguably Maybe the greatest sports franchise in in the history of sports, right? 27 World Series. I mean, Marvin's a fan of the Yankees, and so I'm preaching to Marvin for a second. Hear me. Hear me. So when we're reliable, we don't act on what we want things to be. We don't even react on how we think things are. We react in the now and today. Like, okay, today's a, today's a new day. I'm going to do something really good today. And, th- and this kid just worked and worked and worked. And we don't know how it's going to happen, when, how it's going to turn out. We hope it turns out really well. And he's in the major league someday. But I want to say this, that when we become reliable like Joseph, when we become reliable like David, we be- become reliable like people in your life. And we start to do those things that that we understand that God is in charge. And so when the angel comes to Joseph then the next time, and the angel says, well, wait a second, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go away for a while because is looking to kill all these people. And so Jesus is sometime, somewhere around two years old, and he takes him down into Egypt, okay? So he becomes very reliable, and again, in society, This is something that I think we're lacking a little bit. We must, especially if you consider yourself a Christ follower, especially if you have a Grace Church bumper sticker on your car, we need to be people of our word, right? If you say you're going to show up, show up and show up early. And don't don't call and say, I'm going to be three weeks late. I know I told you I'd be there Tuesday at 5, but I didn't say what Tuesday. No, show up. Amen. 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 Number three is he was a loving husband. And this is, again, so I won't give you the scriptures, but you can read the first two chapters of Matthew. It's in there. It's really the Christmas story. You've read it before. There's no reason for to read it again. But one day, uh, verse Matthew 2 and 15, God basically wakes up Joseph and says, okay, it's time. You can go back. There's God speaks to people through dreams. God will speak in dreams. Sometimes God will pull people out. And maybe, it may, it's happened to me, it's happened where I've done it, and it's happened to me where I've received it, where someone might just have a, a word of knowledge. Somebody, hey, God just told me to tell you this. I don't know what if it means anything or not, but but here it is. Sometimes, uh, and and maybe it's less popular today, there, there may be a preacher who would pull somebody out. Janie, at the age of maybe 12 or 13, was pulled out. Was it maybe 12? And first of all, I think the gifts my wife have are just incredible. And she's one of the most anointed worship leaders that, that that I've ever been around. And our church is blessed to have her and our whole worship team, amen? Can you give it up for, for the worship team and for her? So, so, 12 years old, she's called out on a Sunday morning or Sunday night service and the and the preacher or prophet or evangelist says, uh, you've got a gift to, to lead worship. You, and the fact is... I think it happened earlier where they were talking together and, and the, the preacher was talking to your dad about one of the daughters, right? And, and, and then, but anyways, that's neither here nor there. So he calls Janie out and says, you're anointed. You're gonna be a worship leader. You're gonna be, and now at 12 years old, maybe that doesn't process so well or, or maybe it processes real well. It just depends on maturity. But I think that's God saying, I have faith in you. I have faith, and I'm not saying her parents didn't have faith in her, but sometimes we need to hear it from a parent or another leader or somebody else. But when you tell a 12-year-old or a 20-year-old, hey, I've got faith in you, God's got faith in you, God's going to use you. And it wasn't one of these things that, hey, he was just speaking. It was something where he was saying, God has told me you're going to be an anointed worship leader, and she has, and she's, and she, she is. And not she? She always will be, and she's been that way for a long, for decades. So hear me when I say this, that God wants to know and let you know that he has faith in you. And so loving husband was Joseph, but how does that translate today? Well, when we walk this through today, maybe you're not even married. Look what Joseph did, though. Joseph obeyed God, and then he covers those people that are around him. If you can cover your friends in prayer, your family in prayer, you cover your church or your community in prayer. You cover your where you're from in prayer. You cover those things in prayer. All of a sudden, God says, I can trust you because I have faith in you. Now I'm going to use you. God's given me three dreams for specific people over the last year, and I would—I was so, I, I so didn't want to call the first one because it was our daughter Jill, and I—I I didn't want to call her because the first two parts of the dream were just horrible, and and uh, I, I didn't even share it with Janie. I said, "Lord, I'm not sharing this dream." And then the third part of the dream was. Huge blessing, and and the blessing was attached to uh, their the fact that they're so compassionate. And it is Lord, I said, Jill, you're, there's a guy that's going to come into the bank, and and nobody's going to even act like he's there. And it's a and you are going to you are going to help him, and because you help him, your your business is just going to be blessed off the charts. And she said, Papa. I'm helping a guy right now nobody wants. He's living out of his car, blah blah blah. Well, Jill and Jeff, you have to know are are two of the most compassionate people that you're going to meet. I mean, they they buy Christmas presents instead of for each other. They just buy them for for complete families and they and they help people all the time and they they just hate it if somebody's being picked on or they hate it if somebody's being down. They just hate it when when something like and and Jeff's a big guy, okay? And so it's like when they hate something, they but they hate it in, in love. And it's hard to say. So that hate turns into compassion and they want to fix the problem. So she called me up and she's a mortgage banker. Papa, I had so many closings in, in March and February and the, the just blown up. Well, listen, God, that to me wasn't, she received it because it was her dad calling, but it was really God saying, hey, Jill, I have faith in you. I have faith that, that, that you're going to do the right thing. I, I have faith. In, and this is what Joseph, I, if you get the crux of this message for a moment, men, women, boys, girls, you need to know that even if you've messed up in life, God has faith in you. He wants you, he wants you to change. He wants you to do better. He wants you to do differently. He wants you to, to go on the straight and narrow. And, and we're still trying to figure out the straight and narrow, right? But he has faith in you. And I, again, when I see Fultz Drummond, it's just like these eyes, just they almost go cross a little bit. <laughs> they do, and it, yeah, they peel back. And, but I, I love, I love. first of all, I love our worship team, and some of them aren't here today because they're on vacation, but I, I love people that work in their gifting. And I love people, I love the baseball team, that's why we go watch them when we can. I love watching people work in their gifting, now hear me. This, if I like that, can you imagine Father God watching you work in your gifting? Can you imagine God just saying, being so, being so happy and proud of you? Like, yeah, that's my son. That's my daughter. Yeah, that, yeah, that's my, that's my friend. I, I, my friend. We haven't talked to these friends for for years, and I emailed them yesterday, saying, "Man, there's a good chance your son will end up playing in in Hickory sometime for the Yankees organization. Come down and visit with us. Stay with us." And yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, and it was like, wow. I'm so proud of this young man who signed with the Yankees, and and I don't really know him. I just know mom and dad. Think how proud of God is of you when you do anything for the kingdom's sake. That's God. And then last but not least is he, he left a, a lasting legacy. This is Joseph. Now think about this because I, I grew up in the Catholic church, and Joseph is a little bit more esteemed in the Catholic church than maybe is in uh, charismatic, evangelical, uh, Christian type churches. And I, I think, first of all, we're all saints. If you're a Christ follower, you're a saint. I don't pray to saints. I don't pray to people who are passed away. I pray to Jesus because he's given that authority to us. But I do think that we've demeaned Joseph just a little bit. But I want you to look at his legacy as the worship team comes back. Look at his legacy for just a second. First of all, God called him, had faith in him to raise his only begotten son. So pretty good deal, right? A lot of responsibility. Like he's going to help nurture the son of God. And so we, we hear about Jesus at birth. We hear about Jesus at like two years old. We hear about Jesus at 12 years old. And Jesus really says something at 12 years old that maybe would hurt most of us. When he's in the temple preaching, Jesus's words were when Mary and Joseph had to make three days journey back Jesus' words were, did you not know I must be about my father's business? In other words, kind of cut to the heart. But Joseph knew who he was. Joseph knew what he was about. Joseph knew that God had faith in him to do what he was supposed to do. And this was the handoff. This was really the handoff because after that moment, we only hear about uh, Joseph as is, is kind of a, a, a third party. Like, isn't that the carpenter's son? Isn't that, isn't that the Nazarene? Isn't that one from the carpenter's house? And so Joseph, who sometimes the church world has even kind of downplayed, has a responsibility like no one else. But also in his home, there were four sons. There was James, there was Joseph. Joseph, the Bible calls, but his English name would be Joseph. There was Simon, there was Jude. And then the Bible says there were sisters. So there's at least two sisters. So there's at least six kids. There could be more, we're not sure. But out of those six kids, out of those four boys, two of them write books of the Bible, James and Jude. One of them is the leader of the church in Acts 15 chapter. James stands up and says, I, James, the leader of this church, God had faith in James. God had faith, obviously, in Jesus. God had faith in Jude. God had faith in Joseph to raise a family that we would still be preaching about 2,000 years later. Jude writes one chapter, one book of the Bible, and it may be one of the most theological, doctrinal chapters of the whole Scripture. It talks about the end times, eschatology. It talks about salvation, soteriology. It talks about the whole doctrinal idea of heaven and hell of how the how the devils got thrown out they're locked in all in about 21 verses. Now think about that. This this man Joseph did something special. But the reason he did something special was because God had faith in him. And I'm going to tell you today God has faith in you. It doesn't matter your background right now. It doesn't matter where you came from right now. It doesn't matter who you even are right now because throughout scriptures, God shows that he can use anybody and everybody. And the one thing we can't figure out is we can't figure out God because God has faith in every single person. And God's job, ah, job's not the right word. God's obligation, God's joy, God's joy is to look down at one person and say, man, I got faith in you, brother. I've got faith in you. I got faith that God. God's got God's got big plans for you. I got faith in you. I got faith in the road from Ohio. Give it up for our Ohio people today. God's got faith for you. Say, listen, 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 hear my heart. You gotta make that switch. Yes, you have to have faith in God. Yes, the whole scripture is all about faith. Great faith, salvation comes from grace through faith. We understand that, we get it, but you need to know. That on a personal note, your Abba, Father, Daddy, God has faith in you. And that's not said enough. That's not spoken of. This is why we get down on each other. This is why we hate society. This is why we get pushed around. It's because we matter what other people think about us. We matter what we think about other people. And all of a sudden, God's saying, wait a second. No, 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 no. Time out. I got faith in y'all. Some of you are going to stand out taller than the other ones. Maybe some of you are going to do more than the other ones, but maybe it's just because you've exercised that faith more, and that's the reciprocal part. I exercise my faith, God gives more faith. I exercise my faith, God does more things. I like that song uh, we sang: you know, "We open our mouth and miracles just start coming out." That's an exercise of faith. I just, man, I'm just going to, I'm just going to practice it. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm just going to ask God. Okay, God, I know you can. We've been playing, praying nine, Psalms 91 over this whole area, over our whole church, over our, our family, over our loved ones, over extended families. God, Psalms 91, Lord, you protect us. Lord, you shelter us. You be part of us. God, And all of a sudden, God says, I got faith. I ask you to stand with me right where you're at. You're close your eyes, bow your head if you would. Hey, if you're here today. And, and I'm just gonna ask you, you, you don't have faith in God but you would like to have faith in God. You don't know Jesus as your Savior. You would like to know Jesus. We believe in relationship, not religion. So we're we're all, we all serve the same, right? We all go through Jesus. So if you're here today and you say, hey, Pastor, I I would like to pray. Let me just pray that prayer. You pray it with me, and you can receive Jesus right now. And yes, God has faith in you. And then the Bible will tell us As we lean upon him, as we walk with him, we grow with him. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, before we sing this last song, I pray for those today that may be wondering, that may be searching, that may be asking, that may have never known that, God, you have faith in them, that you've placed them on this earth to be a gift to the entire world. And so we pray, Father, today pull that out of them. Lord, reach into them and let them understand, Lord, that as they count on you as Lord and Savior through your Son, Jesus Christ. It's a confession of the mouth. Lord, it's it's an identity of the heart, Father, that we love you and we thank you. Now, I pray for every father here. I pray for every dad. I pray for every leader. I pray for every head of household. Bless them, O God. And let them impart into the people that they're a part of, the, the love they have, the faith they have, the belief they have, the pride they have.
1: Amen. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise this morning. How many of you received that message today? God has faith in you. And I'm so honored that um, I get to call our pastor, my father. Happy Father's Day, Pops. Maybe I shouldn't have been doing this, but I was posting on Facebook, you know, Happy Father's Day during the message. I was really paying attention the first service, but second service, I was just, you know, getting my... Tweet on, or whatever, and I mentioned that you know, I'm, I believe that I'm a better father today because I had the privilege of watching the greatest father ever, in my opinion. In my opinion, and uh, so thanks, Pops. You know, our God has faith in us, and I know that, like, my father has faith in me, he believes in me, he believes in Andrew. He believes in his kids, Jessica and Jill. But a pastor's kind of like a father for a congregation. And I think that was such a beautiful message because I don't know what your relationship like is with your father, but you have a pastor here that believes in you. Like, he really believes in you. Coach, like, he believes in your team. He just told them that they can all play for the Yankees. Like, you're like, team, you might not believe that, but he believes in you. Like, he literally believes that. You can all do that. And so, you might not have a dad that you can call today for whatever reason, but you have a pastor, and let's put my earthly father aside for a second. Let's talk about my heavenly father. You have a father in heaven that really believes in you. And, and, and way bigger than playing for a professional sports team. Our God believes that you can live in victory today. Our God believes that you can overcome anything that might stand in your way. You have a Father in heaven that has faith in you. That you're going to perpetuate this gospel to the next generation. That you're going to overcome every victory. That you're going to bring healing and harmony to a planet that needs it so desperately. That you have a Father that has faith in you. That you can be the ambassadors of Jesus Christ, that everywhere you go this week, that you're going to share the hope of Jesus, that you're going to share peace, that you're going to share the message of love that our world needs right now more than ever before. So today, let's be grateful for our fathers. Let's be grateful for our pastors. Let's be grateful for our Father in heaven that it calls you by name and calls you a child of God. Father, we thank you that we have the privilege to call you Father today. Lord, that even though that might sound difficult for some because of the relationship that we may have or may not have with our earthly fathers, we thank you, God, that we can just trust you to call you Father, even if it's painful. And we thank you that we are blessed that that you have faith in us. So fill us today, God, with that faith that you have in us. Let us have that same faith in you. That you'd go with us, that you'd empower us to do those things that you've called us to do. I pray that you'd bless each person here today, that you'd go before us in the power of the Holy Spirit and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you very much. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon. God bless you.
2: Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv slash give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.